But uh, if you would please stand, because what's really important is not what Will shared or what I'm going to say, but what's really ultimately important is what God has to say. And uh, I'm going to read from a passage of the Bible that I'll confess I have skimmed over countless times. Um, And I recently, uh, a few years ago, was challenged to look at this passage that I've skimmed over and to notice how very, very important it is. I'm reading from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to 22. It's the very end of Paul's second letter to his friend and disciple, Timothy. Paul writes, beginning at verse 9, on page 996 in the Pew Bible, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpas at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself. For he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth and I left Trophimus who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. The word of the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd send the same spirit upon us that you sent upon your servant Paul, who wrote these words. Father, may by your spirit we hear exactly what you want us to hear for Jesus' sake. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Uh, I do want you to know I'm going to include Will's comments in my sense of time, so we're, we're going to uh, have a... Uh, Uh, shorter than usual sermon, but I hope it will be significant to you as it has been for me. I told you a moment ago that I've I've read this passage so many times, uh, usually hurriedly because it's at the end of a very interesting, important letter, 2 Timothy, and it was usually a chunk I'd read without much thought. It it felt so um, passing, uh, so uh, pedestrian, just Paul listing off names, right? And and uh, so I never really paid much heed to it until a few years ago, as I mentioned, uh, I, one of my heroes and, and a man who had a great influence and impact on me was a guy named uh, James Packer, J.I. Packer, who is uh, a very well-known writer. He was in the church where I worked in Canada long before I moved to Texas, and I got to know him. And he came to visit us at Christ Church. And uh, I'd ask him to preach, and uh, he read this passage. He chose this passage, and he chose it because he said, it is so important. 
And I thought, what is so important about Paul's comments about all this coming and going, the always changing nature of of, uh, church life, this constantly changing uh, experience of church life? Why Why is that so important? And he told me, he said, because, brother, that is life in the church. It's one of the great challenges confronting the church, uh, mainly because we don't take it to heart in advance and recognize how this this is kind of what it's like, because this is human experience. We we all have change in our life. We we always understand that there's going to be change, and we, uh, if we're really mature about it, we'll kind of embrace that change and realize, okay, Lord, you're in charge. I'm not in charge, and uh, we'll embrace the reality of change. And and um, I think that's why Dr. Packer chose the passage. And when I was thinking about great challenges confronting the church for the season of Lent this year, which is what we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks, I thought the number one challenge that I've experienced in church life is this constant change, just people coming and going and all kinds of stuff going on in church life. Like Will said uh, in his testimony, his uh, remarks, there is a lot of change in church life. Just looking at our church and the, the two churches that formed our church uh, and look around at all the change. My goodness, we're coming up on 33 years old and uh, looking back over all the years of ministry here, all the change, people, situations, some of them very, very complicated. We'll try to sum up very, very complicated, very, very painful situations, very briefly. But in real time, they weren't brief. And they were extremely complicated. It's hard to boil them down to even describe them. And it's a little uncomfortable to mention them even because that was no fun. And and, uh, as Will pointed out, we had similar issues over at uh, Christ Church Carrollton, five miles south of where we're sitting right now. For those whole 10 years that Christ Church and I were in South Carrollton, Metrocrest was here in North Carrollton, the same little Texas town, facing all the change, all the difficulties of church life. Well, I'd like for us to have that in mind as we look at this concluding section in Paul's letter to his friend Timothy. Uh, It's worth noting that chronologically, this was probably Paul's very last letter. Uh, it's not the last one in the Bible. Titus and Philemon come after it. But it's the last one chronologically. This, this one Paul wrote with Luke from prison in Rome probably. He was writing Timothy who had been with him for a long time. It was a very beloved, uh, trusted uh, assistant, colleague, protege. And uh, so Paul is writing really this last letter to this young man that he had worked with side by side for years and years and years and years, that they'd been through so much together. And at the very end of the letter, he's talking about this reality that I'm trying to describe. And And as we look at this idea of change, the ESV editors have labeled this personal instructions. No wonder we face it with a bit of a yawn, personal instructions. But actually what's being described here is not only one of the 
great challenges facing the church, it's one of the great realities. It's inevitable. If you are part of a church, you will experience some of what Paul's talking about. What's he talking about? What are these changes? I want to give you uh, three of them. Sorry, four of them. Coming, going, sending, and standing. Coming, going, sending, standing. Let's think about each of those aspects of this ongoing change that Paul wrote to Timothy about. First of all, coming. Verse 9, uh, Paul's writing to his protege. He says, Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. It's a personal uh, request to a dear friend, please come to me. And Paul's ministry had been filled with people coming to him. Uh, it, it had been filled with people like Timothy who were part of his life. Luke was with him. Luke had joined up with Paul as part of Paul's ministry, his mission, while he was getting ready to start the ministry, the the outreach to the Gentiles. It was Luke who joined the apostolic evangelistic mission. Uh, Luke joined uh, there and, and went with Paul to Philippi, the first European church. Luke had been with Paul off and on ever since. He had come into Paul's company, his party, his group of friends and trusted brothers in Christ. And, and uh, Paul had been blessed with that all along. And, and uh, Timothy had figured prominently. It's interesting. Timothy was recruited as a, apparently a, a very young man, maybe a teenager, a very young man living at home with mom and dad. Who, he had learned the gospel from his mother and his grandmother. And Paul uh, connected with this young man and uh, Timothy became a part of Paul's ministry. Uh, this, this idea of coming. Uh, people had come into Paul's life. They'd come into his ministry. And so he asked his young friend here, Timothy, please do your best to come to me soon. And praise God, church life is characterized by lots of people coming. Lots of people joining. Lots of people coming alongside. Uh, that's one of the most exciting things about church life is new friends. I, I began many services here by saying, we are so grateful when God brings a new friend or two to be with us. And I'm not kidding. I, I am so grateful when I see a new friend come along. I'm looking around the room right now and I see people who've joined in the last 18 months and I just shake my head. Some of them you may think came from Christ Church Carrollton. The Withers family did not come from Christ Church Carrollton. They, they were going to another PCA church and came over and joined uh, Metrocrest at the same time the folks from Christ Church Carrollton uh, came and joined Metrocrest. Uh, but they, they were a separate work of God's sovereign grace going back years and years with relationships here and Boy Scouts and friendships and neighborhoods. And God brought them here. They came as God led them here. I look around the room and I see so many people whom God has brought to be with us. People coming in response to God's sovereign work in literally countless ways. Uh, we had our... Uh, a new members interview today, uh, Paul and uh, John uh, met with our, our newest member at Metrocrest. She is sitting on the very last row. She's going to kill me for pointing her out because she's such a sweet, quiet lady. But Nancy Sidoriak is sitting on the very back row next to Kathy. Kathy's helpfully pointing at her. Uh, everybody at the end of the service out in the lobby run real quick and welcome Nancy Sidoriak. She is our newest member. At Metrocrest, and I'm looking at uh, young man Johan, who came to us from Korea, (laughs) 
and was taking pictures all last weekend. I'm looking at Brian, and uh, where's Joseph? Uh, Joseph's back here. Uh, the young man playing the drum up here, he came, uh, I don't know, several months ago, uh, and they're meeting in our new members class, uh, Discovering Metrocrest. Uh, after our service concludes, he, he and Brian and I are going to talk about membership at Metrocrest. You see, God is at work. He brings people. People come in response to his work in literally countless ways. He's at work bringing people together, making connections in ways we can't get our brains around. I mean, even just one of these, Will tried to peel away some of, the, some of all the circumstances just in a couple of situations. Multiply that times 150. All the different ways God has brought us together and all the different ways people have come in response to his spirit to be a part of this little fellowship at Metrochrist. It's, it's a breathtaking thing. And, and so Paul, as he did throughout his ministry, he reached out to someone and said, come, come along. A specific need in this case, he needed his, his parchments, the, no doubt the scriptures, so Paul asks Timothy to come and to bring the Bible with him. That's always a good thing to do for Christians. And Paul was conscious of that. He asked Timothy to come and to bring the scriptures, the parchments. He mentions that uh, later in, in the, uh, in the uh, letter. Uh, that's part of this coming. And, and that, will, that will, praise God, be a part of church life as, as, uh, as long as people are doing the work of the Lord and, and he's able to use us and work through us and in spite of us, uh, he will bring people to himself. And that's a wonderful, brilliant part of the Christian life and life in the church. Uh, there will also be going. Uh, verse 10, uh, for Demas, he says, in love with this world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Um, and then there are several other instances. I'll deal with these in broad categories. Um, some of the, uh, of the going was painful for Paul. He calls it deserting. He talks about Demas. We don't know anything else about Demas except for what Paul tells us here. Uh, Demas had left and he had gone. Uh, and, and Paul actually says that it was a, a desertion. Um, and that was, that was very painful to Paul. He doesn't go into a lot of the details because the details weren't really important. But uh, that is, that's a reality in church life. Uh, people will leave for not the greatest reasons. Uh, people will leave for uh, other reasons as well. We're not really told much about um, Crescens and Titus. Paul just said they've, they've gone. They, they've gone to Dalmatia. Titus is the one he writes a letter to. <laughs> So Titus wasn't leaving for any bad reason. He, he just left. Maybe he got a new job. Uh, maybe something in his life changed. Maybe some pastoral reality presented itself and, and, um, and Titus had to go, as did Crescens to Galatia. Uh, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, there, there will be people who go. Um, and that is always painful. Whatever the reasons, it's, it's very, very painful. It's very sad. We grieve when people leave our fellowship because we love each other. We care about each other. We're, like Paul Will said, we, we want to stick together. And that's one of the vows of membership. One of the vows of membership is that you'll, you'll do your best to be a part of the community. And you don't leave 
without taking it seriously. It's a, it's a big deal to leave. Um, and so uh, that was happening as Paul was ending his ministry. Uh, he was acknowledging the reality of people uh, going. He highlights a couple of situations that were very, very painful. Uh, if you look at verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Uh, there will be people going and people not being around because of gospel issues. Um, I'm glad Will mentioned the very, very painful decision that uh, the folks at Christ Church Carrollton and before that Trinity Episcopal Church. Uh, I've lived through, through some awful things. I've lived through some sad things in church life. Uh, I think that was the most painful thing I've ever lived through, to leave the Episcopal Church. Uh, because they oppose the message of the gospel. I do not use those words lightly. I do not use them happily. But the fact is, as we discerned it, and it wasn't just me, it was a group decision. As we discerned it, Rick was sitting there at that meeting, and Will was at that meeting, Rob Guzak, we were at that meeting. We came to the conclusion that what the Episcopal Church was doing in summer 2010 made it impossible for us to do what God had called us to do in the summer of 2010. They, they were mutually exclusive. That You couldn't really do both. And I know there are people sitting here today who were in a similar situation in the Presbyterian Church USA. And there were people in this room today who've had to make that painful decision in other denominations, other fellowships. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that is just a sad reality. You know, it, it was the most painful thing I've lived through. Maybe some of you feel the same way about your experience. Uh, but it should not come as a surprise. The uh, officers meeting uh, happened just before we gathered here for our service. We talked about total depravity. Uh, we are naive in the extreme if we imagine that the human institution called the church is somehow free of that. That the church is not depraved in the sense of being sinful and broken. The church, the human institution that with a visible church, it has always had issues. Paul lived through it. The apostles lived through it. And if you look through church history, since the Lord Jesus launched the church, we will see example after example after example, including the Protestant Reformation, of which we are a part, just over generations and generations and generations where the church is wrestling, it's fighting about the gospel. And there are those who oppose the gospel. And if you ever find yourself in a situation where your church is opposed to the gospel, or your pastor is opposed to the gospel, opposed to the message of Christ, look for a different church. Look for a different church. I don't mean like that, but if you've done what you can do and you've struggled and you've prayed and you've, you've contributed in every way you know how and it's not getting better and, and you're with other people you trust so it's not just a hot-headed knee-jerk reaction, but if, if you find yourself in that situation, it is 
the opposite of sinful to leave, to go. There is a time to go. And so Paul acknowledges it. He talks about uh, the specifics of Alexander the coppersmith. You know, the only thing we know about Alexander the coppersmith is that he was opposed to the message of the gospel. I mean, isn't that sad? (laughs) I don't know how much money Alexander the coppersmith spent on advertising his coppersmith business. But the one thing he's remembered for, the one thing that we're talking about 2,000 years later, is he opposed the gospel. And that is a sad reality. That is something that people encounter in the church. And the church right now, especially here in the West, here in the United States, is going through a season of thinking this through and figuring out how do we respond, how do we, how do we stick together in Christ, but also respond to the glaring realities around us. How do you do that? Well, let me tell you, that requires great discipline, great discernment, And it requires great unity in Christ, around Christ. Our unity is not in the PCA. Our unity is not in old friendships. Our unity is not in this building. Our unity is in Christ and his message. That is our unity. And so we want to gather around Christ and lock arms with one another in Christ and make decisions together in Christ. That's part of the always changing reality of the church. Uh, There's another kind of leaving that Paul mentions. And if you look all the way down to the very end of his letter, look down at verse uh, 18. Uh, Paul says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Uh, There's a reason that this was Paul's last letter. Uh, Paul died. Uh, We don't like to think about death. Uh, We don't like to think about wills and We don't like to think about the people we leave behind. Paul thought about them and took them seriously because that's the reality. People in church die. People in church move on. And people have all kinds of experiences as part of church life. It's one of the challenges facing us. But as Justin rightly said, we do this together in Christ. Paul It's so clear. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. How? He will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. The Lord did not deliver Paul from martyrdom. Uh, The Lord did not deliver Stephen from martyrdom. The Lord brought Paul and brought Stephen and has brought countless Christian disciples through death, into his heavenly kingdom. See, that's, that's the realism of the gospel. We don't, we don't hide from reality. We embrace reality. And then we acknowledge Jesus. We embrace Jesus. Jesus is why we can talk about death. Jesus is why we can talk about martyrdom. There are martyrs 
right now in the Ukraine. Brothers and sisters in Christ facing death. They can do that because death's a reality, but so is Jesus. And Jesus is the ultimate reality. And, and so as we look at the reality of death, let's do it in light of Jesus as Paul did. He will deliver us ultimately. Ultimately, perfectly, he will deliver us. There may be moments of mercy in this life when we see, oh, he, wow, he delivered Paul from prison. He delivered Paul from the, as he says, the lion's den, the lion's mouth. Uh, there will be instances of that, but there'll be other instances where we experience hardship. We'll experience loss. Death is a reality in the church, and there will be people leaving because of that. Four, third thing, briefly sending. Paul singles out uh, the fact in verse 12 that he sent Tychicus to Ephesus. That's where Timothy was. Uh, there was sending. And church life will include people being sent. One of the great things about Metrocrest is we have generations of people who have been sent from our little church all over the world. Isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing to think about? Here was Paul in prison, sending a missionary, sending Tychicus to do gospel work. And a gospel church will be a sending church. That's part of church life too. It's a challenge sometimes to say goodbye, even, even to someone leaving to go into the mission field. It's not easy. But I want to close, as Paul does, by talking about one thing that doesn't change. There's so much change. There's always changing in the church. But one thing never changes. One thing never changes. The one thing that never changes is, uh, let's look at it beginning at verse 16. Paul writing about his own personal experience. At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. That's, that's, a, that's beautiful. Here, Paul is quoting uh, Stephen, the first martyr, who prayed that as he was being stoned to death. He prayed that it wouldn't be held against them. And of course, Stephen and Paul are both quoting Jesus, who on the cross, as he was preparing to go to the cross, and on the, on, on the last day of his life, he prayed to his father that it would not be charged against them. What a beautiful thing that Paul prayed. And then verse 17. Everyone else changed. Everyone else left him. Everyone else deserted him. Verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me because that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. See, there, there's one capital O in this story that doesn't change, who is forever faithful, who is forever dependable, who always keeps every promise, and that's the Lord God himself. And it's because he stands with us. He remains with us. That's, that's what Emmanuel is, God with us. Because God stands with us, you and I can be bold for Jesus. We can 
boldly proclaim his gospel to a dark and desperately needy world that doesn't want to hear it. But he doesn't leave us. And that was Paul's strength. That was his strength right up to the very end. Verse 22, the Lord be with your spirit. If You see, our strength is the Lord being with us. There is our strength. His grace with us is our strength and our hope and our confidence and our boldness. And it will take us to do things we can't even imagine. Because that's what he's like. 